0: If you have your Bible, you can turn. The first scripture I'm going to read is Romans 3, but we'll be putting these on the screen for you. But uh, I want to begin today by just trying to um, sum up the first three weeks. As Susan already told you, this is lesson four of this eight-week series on life's healing choices. And I'd sum the first three weeks up with just just three phrases. The first week, I would say, was I can't. The second week was God can, and last week, to sum it up, would be let him. I can't, God can, let him. Week one, when he said I can't, that was the reality choice, and we were talking about the reality, and we have to realize that I'm not God, and I'm have to admit that I'm powerless to control my life and the tendencies to do wrong. Paul talked about it when he said I wanted to do good. Evil was present. We all have to struggle with our flesh and with uh, the, the, the enemy coming against us and that our lives at times get unmanageable because we don't follow everything that he has. And we just got to realize I can't do this without the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. The second week we talked about God can. This was the hope choice. We have to believe that God exists and that that I matter to Him, I'm important to Him, and that He has the power to help me change. So I can't change, but God can. And then week three, last week, we talked about let Him, which was the commitment choice, where I consciously choose to commit all of my life, all of my will to Christ's care and His control. We've got to Let go and let God. We've got to let Him be God and be in control of our lives and depend on Him. And um, so, you know, we've got to just trust Him. So I can't, God can, we've got to let Him. So how do I let God make the changes in my life that He wants to make? That's where we're at. Now, that's what I want to deal with today. How do we do that? That's... um, the fourth choice which susan's already mentioned and it's called it's called the house cleaning choice house cleaning choice i know that romans 3 verse 23 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God so today this fourth choice that we're looking at this house cleaning choice it says I openly examine and confess my faults to myself to God And to someone I trust. Let me repeat that again. I fully confess my faults first to myself, to God, and to somebody I trust. When you say it that way and you look at one another and we begin to talk about confessing our faults to one another... Some of us, when we talk about confessing our faults to ourself, okay, sure, I need to confess some of my faults to myself. When we talk about admitting our faults to God, you know, it's kind of like you realize it's not like he doesn't know it already. You understand that? So I don't know why people have a problem confessing faults to God. He knows your faults even really before you do. He knows what flaws there are in you. And, you know, the problem that we have is how do I confess my faults? I can do it to myself. I can do it to God. But I am not going to confess my faults to the whole world. I'm not going to just open up to other people. And um, I just want to make it clear that when we talk about confessing our faults to one another, we're not talking about writing it in a tabloid. Aren't you glad you're not a politician? Say that to everybody but one in here this morning, I think. But anyway, aren't you glad you're not a politician? Aren't you glad that your whole life and every flaw and every fault that you have isn't exposed in ways that, that, that we have to go through? The point that I'm trying to get to this morning and the thing that I think is important is, the, is that when we talk about confessing our faults to ourselves, we have to, first of all, admit to ourselves that we're not perfect that we make mistakes, there's flaws in our life, and we need help with, with hurts, we need help with habits, we need help with, with hang-ups, we need help with things going on in our lives. And, and uh, the thing that God is really wanting from us, the thing that God is looking to us for, the thing that God is asking for us is honesty. God wants us to be honest with Him, with ourselves, and with other people. He wants us to recognize that if we're not open and if we're not honest, then, then then, freedom is not possible in our lives because freedom is impossible without honesty. Look at somebody and say we need to be honest. Will you just look at somebody and say that right now? We need to be honest. In John chapter 8, and verse 32, John 8, verse 32, a verse of Scripture that we all know, it says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Truth is the cost of freedom freedom is the reward for honesty and freedom is the reward for truth if we want to be free it begins with being honest with ourselves being honest with God and being honest with other people I'm not perfect are you I don't have every area of my life together. I don't know everything I know to do everything I need to do, but I need to face the fact that I have to be honest with myself, I have to be honest with God, and I have to be honest with others who are around me. Now, that's what brings us to this fourth lesson and and what we would call a personal uh, inventory: How much stuff we have. I, I, lo- I love the illustration that uh, Susan was using there about containers that you have in your house, because there there are there are things that we acquire. There's things that we pick up. You know, one of the, one of the worst things in the world is ever is having to move. Moving is so bad because you don't realize how much junk you have. Y'all understand that? You know, I mean. In our house, we, we, we have built four storage areas where, where there's a, the roof comes, and in those storage areas, it goes way back through there. And, you know, every one of those storage areas are full of stuff that I don't have a clue. But it's so important. you all understand that, how important it is? We might need that someday. We might use that someday. There are things that we have stored in our lives, the baggage that we carry with us, that it's amazing until you start trying to do a little bit of house cleaning. When you do house cleaning, it's amazing what you find. First thing you've got to deal with is when you're going to clean house, you've got to deal with guilt. Because you find things that's in your past, that's in your life, that's there, that shouldn't be there. One of the first things that, that, that you find. And, and uh, one of the things we're going to be dealing with this week in small groups is, is, is guilt. Guilt is one of the things that we're going to be dealing with. And, and, and today, what I really want to do is to bring hope and courage for us to take the steps that we need to move forward in, in developing a house clean just, just, just moving on. I want to help us to understand, um, uh, maybe in a way that we've never understood before, that just because you have allowed junk to be stored in your life, because you have hurts, habits, hang-ups, because you have things in your life that you know shouldn't be there, that doesn't take away God's love for you. God loves you with your problems. Amen. God loves you in spite of the things that you're trying to hang on to, the things that you're trying to hold on to, the things that, that, that you know, that you, you don't want uh, to let go of. And, you know, when we talk about honesty, a lot of us get scared. When you talk about being able to confess your faults, I've... We've been meeting as men. We've been talking. Yesterday's men's meeting was was a powerful meeting. The video was extremely good, but it was one of those things that it got very quiet in there because when we begin to talk about certain problems we have, certain flaws we have, certain things going on in our lives, we get afraid. We get scared. We get to, we, we're afraid because we've been hurt. We don't want to be hurt again because we have uh, been hurt. We, we have a fear that something's going to hurt us one more time. We have a fear. And so when we begin to be honest and talk about it, fear, fear, fear begins to rise in our lives. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out Fear, Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Notice the first part of that. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Here's what I know. If we're afraid of the truth we really don't understand God. Let me say it again. If we're afraid of the truth, we really don't understand God. I realize how vicious our world is. I realize how vicious other people can be. I realize how vicious Christians can be. But if we have a fear, if we really understood the depths of His love, there would be nothing that we would be afraid of. So today, that's the beatitude that we're going to deal with in Matthew chapter 5, talking about the Sermon on the Mount, and every one of these lessons, or these eights. Lessons come from a different point that Jesus made with his sermon that he preached, the Sermon on the Mount, and today is Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, and it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Will you read that with me? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Notice the first thing that it doesn't say is, it doesn't say, blessed are the religious in heart. A lot of people think religious things are pure. I don't want you to get a religious heart. I want a pure heart. Jesus doesn't really want me and you to be religious. He wants us to be real. So this verse, blessed, is the word happy there. So happy is the pure in heart not the religious. In John chapter 11, we read about the time when Jesus was raising Lazarus from the dead. Let me read you two verses here in John chapter 11, verse 43. It says, Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And when he had When he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with a cloth, Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Now I want you to see what's going on here. Jesus raises somebody from the dead, but they are bound And their face is covered with grave clothes. When the Bible talks about us being born again, we are brought out of death into life. Ephesians 2 talks about that greatly. It says, you who were dead in your trespasses and sins, he is made alive. We are brought back to life. Well, one of the things that happens is that when we are made alive and we become born again and we begin to walk in the family of God and God begins to, to give us new life, some of us are bound in grave clothes. Some of us, you know, are wearing we're, we're our hand and our feet and our, uh, the grave clothes and our face covered with a cloth. And, and, you know, what that's saying is that there's things that bind you and keep you from living the fullness of life. You know, none of those grave clothes can really withstand the power of Jesus when you understand what power Jesus has in our lives. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus wants us to have an abundant life. But so many times, things from our past, things that have happened in our lives, have us bound so that even though we have new life, we can't walk with Him. Even after we walk with Him, we have areas of our life that we get tied up, that we get wrapped up, we get baggage and things that that has us but Jesus has brought us from death into life now just like Lazarus every one of us were brought from death to life Jesus came to give us fullness of life but every one of us things happen things take place there are things that bind us up things that hold us back Things that restrict us, things that keep us from finding and reaching our full potential in life. There are things that still trip us up as we try to follow Jesus. One of the things that trips us up is an old way of thinking. Zig Ziglar called it stinking thinking. We get to think in a certain way and we get to feel in a certain way. We get to, Our mind caught on a certain thing and we get hung up in, in old ways of thinking. Old behavior patterns. We try to do things the way we've always done them. And, and then there's addictions of all kinds that can hold us up and get us. There, there are, are still masks that we try to hide behind. And, and, and Jesus just simply wants us free from all of that stuff. Again, I want you to look at verse 44 there when he says, And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped. And then Jesus said to them, Who's them? His disciples, his followers, his people. Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Think with me for just a moment. We get to talk about small groups and having small groups and being in relationships with other people. Did you know that there are other people who have the calling, just like these followers of Jesus did, to loose some of us from things that have us bound? Because when you're bound in grave clothes, even though there's life, he was not able to loose himself from the things that had him bound. That's why we need each other. He said to them, "Loosing, we are the body of Christ. Let me ask you, how is the world going to get free from hurts, habits, hang-ups, and addictions? How are they going to get set free from their grave clothes if you and I don't understand that God wants to use us to help set other people free. Jesus said to his followers, you lose them, you let them go. Jesus does it through his people. That's why small groups, again, are so important. If the Son has set you free, you're free indeed. It's, it's about other people helping people get into freedom. So, happy are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, how do you get a pure heart? When I first started reading this series, and I sat down and I knew we were going to do this series, I got Matthew chapter 5 out. I began reading all of the Beatitudes, and it's amazing how when you first read them, and you haven't studied or you haven't looked at them or put them into place, you go back and, there's many things because I've taught on them through the years in different settings and different scenarios. They are be attitudes. They're not do attitudes. They're be attitudes. So it's about who we are, what we're trying to be, being everything that God made us to be, and it's, it's, it's about those things. But when I read this, blessed are the pure in heart, the first thing that comes to your mind is, well, you know, I think my heart's pure. How, how do I have this pure heart? You know, good behavior doesn't make your heart pure. but a pure heart will make your behavior good think about it good behavior is, is good behavior is not what makes your heart pure a pure heart will change your behavior in romans chapter 5 verse 8 romans 5 verse 8 but god demonstrates his own love toward us that While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How many people are out here in the world today who don't have a relationship with God, who don't walk with God, who are not trusting God, who are not walking with God because they think they got to clean up their act first? How many people are trying to clean up their act before they come to church? How many people are trying to get something together before they give their life to the Lord? They think it depends on them. They think it depends on their ability to walk a certain way or to do uh, things a certain way. You know, he didn't wait for us to clean up our act. It says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The only way to have a pure heart is through the blood of Jesus Christ. His blood cleanses us from all sins. His blood was shed on the cross so that you and I could have a pure heart and a right heart before God. Purity of heart is a gift of God's grace. It's not because you walk out of here and say, I desire and I'm going to make my heart pure. No, a pure heart cannot be earned You cannot buy a pure heart. A pure heart is a gift from God that you receive because of the finished work of Jesus at Calvary. Now the basis for a pure heart, it's not how good you've been, but the basis for a pure heart is how good God is. Let me ask you this morning, how good is God? Is God a good God? Did he love you enough that he wanted to give you a brand new heart that he was willing to die for your sins? He loved you enough that he shed his blood to take every sin. He's not waiting on you. The, 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 The pure heart is based on God's character, not yours. It's based on God's actions, not your actions. It's based on God's goodness not your goodness. Your good behavior doesn't purify your heart, but a pure heart will change your behavior. You know, this series, I can't purify my life. God can. I need to let Him then I need, as we're talking today, to cooperate with him and come clean to myself, come clean to him, and come clean before one another and say, we are the body of Christ and we've got to do this thing together. You know, if you go to Italy, you can see... Michelangelo's David. David, and the story of Michelangelo doing this sculpture is it's a magnificent sculpture. Um, when they were asking Michelangelo, How did you do that? he said, I just cut away everything that wasn't David. if you and I had been sculpting, all we would have seen was a big old block of rock. All we would have seen was just an ugly mass. We couldn't see. But Michelangelo could see inside of that rock, and he just carved away everything that wasn't David. That's his statement. I just cut away everything that wasn't David. Now this master Michelangelo saw David when nobody else could see David. I'm using this illustration because it's the same process with us. When God looks at you, when the master looks at your life, he sees a pure heart because he's looking at it. And what he wants to do is chip away everything that's in your heart that is not a heart like God. The reason I wanted to sing that song, Change My Heart, O God, Make It Ever True, I want my heart to be like the heart of God. I want everything that's in my life. You know, there's so many things that happen in our lives. We keep picking up things from the outside. We keep picking up things that we think. We get. putting our will in front of God's will, and so our heart gets filled with things. Our life gets filled with things that shouldn't be there. And God wants to chip away everything. He has already declared your heart pure. He has already sees you in Christ as having a pure heart. And now you and I, as we cooperate with Him in this process of becoming what is in the mind of God. God wants you to be more than you could ever imagine you could be. He sees your heart as pure. But the cutting away... The getting rid of the things that bind you and that trip you and that cover you up, God's gonna do that. Are you ready for this? Through His people. Do you know it'd be an easy thing to serve God if it was just me and God? But you gotta live with the people you're living with, the people you're serving with. How many of you know? If some people just leave you alone, you'd be okay with you and God. But God keeps putting these people in your life to expose things about you. I'd be a great pastor if nobody was here. I've come into this church and I have preached sermons without a soul sitting here. Some of you have heard me tell this. One year when I was first... Evangelizing, I was preaching a revival for my daddy, and this was way back in the day. I was fresh out of college, and, and uh, my brother Hack was on staff there, and he was recording the message, and, and, and you know, one of the nights, he said, I got a problem. I said, what's that? He said, well, I sold 12 of your sermons last night, and the recording didn't take, and we need the money from those 12 sermons. I said, so what are you saying? He says, well, me and you tomorrow are going and you're going to preach that same sermon and I'm going to record it. Nobody will be there and we'll sell them that one. So you know, dad's church is an amen church. So I got up preaching this sermon. Nobody was there but me and Hack. He'd start the tape and then he'd come up and he'd walk all around the church. Amen! Amen! Amen, Pastor. He was getting the amens on the tape trying to make it so that nobody would know that it was a recorded sermon. I got done. He said, I think you preached it better today than you did last night. You see, what we've got to understand is that God does things that we need through His people. He just wants you to cooperate with him and let him do it in you. He said to his people, loose them and let them go. I had a young man call me yesterday who used to be a part of this church who's bound by alcohol. And he called me and he says, I I, I need to be there. Will you pray with me? I prayed with him. I have tried to call him all morning to make sure he was here today. And and what I wanted to say to him and what I tried to say to him yesterday on the phone was, it doesn't matter how many times you fail, get up. It doesn't matter how many times you find yourself on your face, get up. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made, get up. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life, get up. God knows exactly where you are and he hasn't quit on you. Please don't quit on him. You just got to keep getting up again and again and again. You see, when we fail, what we have a tendency to do is to run and to hide from God. We have this tendency when something is going on in our lives to, to, to not face God, to not look at His Word, to not pray, to not come face to face with Him. Can I tell you, and I've told you this, don't ever let sin keep you away from God. When you sin, He's the one you need to run to. When something's wrong in your life, He's the one you need to depend on. You can't run from God. Sin should not drive you from God. Sin should drive you to God. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. In Luke chapter 7, I want to begin reading in verse 41, and I want you to listen to this. I may be talking to you in this, so listen. God may be saying something. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denaro and the other one 50. And when they had nothing with which to pay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, this is Jesus talking, tell me therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, Listen to this, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Maybe you have so much to be forgiven because you have so much love. That's what he's talking about. It's amazing how many people who don't think they need forgiveness don't seem to have much love. My life's all right. I'm not near as bad as a lot of other people. They don't love people where they are. There are people that have more baggage than they want to love them with. But some of us who have a lot of baggage... Have a lot of love. Pastor Farley, I don't think that's exactly what Jesus was saying there. Well, read it in another translation. It says the same thing. Go read it in Greek. He that is forgiven little, loves little. He that is forgiven much, loves much. Listen to me. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You know, it's amazing to me how many people can't see God involved in anything. It's amazing to me. One of the reasons that I want to have a pure heart is because when my heart gets filled with a lot of things, if I'm not real careful, I can't see God. I've been around a lot of Christians who can see everything the devil's doing, can't see one thing God's doing. I've been around a lot of Christians who know everything the devil's saying, but they don't know one thing that God is saying. They see everything that's going on that's evil, but they don't see God. And when I read this Happy is, blessed is, the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I begin to realize that if, if, if I don't see the sin, then I don't see the need for forgiveness. Some of us, some of us are raised from the dead. We get a new life in Christ but we continue our life in Christ bound with grave clothes. He says, even though you're bound, you're alive. Your sins are forgiven. Do you realize your sins are forgiven? Get rid of the grave clothes that are binding you. Get rid of the things that have you hindered, that's Stopping you from doing because that's that's what he's saying there you see there are things that need to be taken away and sometimes we need to be around other Christians before we can see what needs to be gone we need to be unwrapped from the grave clothes from the things that are restricting us from the things that are holding us back from fullness of life there are hurts that need to be healed. There are habits that need to be broken and there are hang-ups that we need to get over. And we need to understand that God will do it for us. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 6, it says, Be in of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. One way that I like to say it is God's working out for you're working out what God is working into your life. Just like David emerged from Michelangelo's cutting away of the stuff, God wants that same thing with you. God's wanting that cutting away. God's wanting that cleansing work, this freeing work. He does it through his people. You know, through the years, I've watched people get saved, and one of the things it takes me back to when I first got saved, I, I, I wanted things to happen in my life so fast. And, and, and when I came around that first October, and October was the month that I had gotten right with God, but when I came uh, uh, through that first October, and I came to that place where, where, where I looked back at the, uh, over the year, I didn't think I was doing good, but when I looked where I was a year ago and where I was now, I realized how much stuff had gone on and happened in my life. I remember the second year when October came around and I looked and I thought I had done so well to that first year and I thought things were really together in my life in that first year and I really thought I was doing so good and I had compared to where I was when I started but when I got to that second year I looked back and I thought man I wasn't anywhere where I am now today after a year. Now in two years, I've really come a long way with God. And and, and that begins to happen. That begins to take place. And we begin to realize that there are things that are no longer a problem for us because He's chipped certain things away. But He's still trying to get everything that stops us from being the express image of Jesus Christ. And the closer you get to being like Jesus, the harder it is. The more difficult it seems. I think we're far closer than we ever imagined. I think God is putting people, iron sharpens iron. I think God has placed people in our lives that's going to cause us to become everything that God has purposed us to become. God's cutting away and and doing a cleansing work and a freeing work, and He does it through our relationship with other people. As they help you, as we help each other in following the Lord. God isn't just piling more things on you. You say, well, I just don't know if I can take." He's not piling things on you. He's trying to get things off of you. Well, I'd like for him to leave this, 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 and this, and this. Yeah, and if he leaves this and this and all of the things you think you need to have, you're not going to be anything like Jesus. Lord, why are you permitting this? Because I want you to to be the expressed image. You have been predestined to be conformed to the image of my son, Jesus Christ. I want you to become everything, and I want to take everything off of your life that stops you from being. God's not piling it up on you. He's taking it off. He's not trying to load you down with guilt. He wants to free you from guilt. He's trying his best to set you free. He's bringing you into freedom. You know, I remember when I was a boy and I would injure myself. I'll never forget, you know, um, when you had hurt yourself and you'd come to mom with a skinned knee, the first thing she would want to do is clean it. Y'all know how painful that was? Huh? And I used to ask for mercure chrome, not methylate. Y'all understand that? You know? I was dating Sheila, and we had a horse, and her daddy, you know, some of you have ever had horses, that horse kicked me, and, and he said, I got something to put on that, and, and, and I thought he was going, I said, is it, is it methylate or mercuricrome? Which one is it? He said, no, it's just purple medicine. It was the stuff he put on horses. He just rubbed that right on me. I don't know. Didn't hurt, so I thought it was all right, I guess. He said, that'll work good. And he put a little bit of electrical tape around it. hear me say this you cannot come to grips with God's forgiveness until you come to grips with how much you need him to forgive you some of us think we don't need forgiveness because we think we didn't do anything wrong I do things every day that I need forgiveness for. I have attitudes and things in my heart that aren't pure. I have things that go on in my life that's trying to be things that God doesn't need there. And God, when he exposes those, I realize I need forgiveness for how I am. And the longer I walk with Jesus, the longer I walk with him, the more I realize I need a Savior. I've done my best to serve the Lord. But I need Him more today than I ever have. He's constantly, because of things, just showing and exposing things in my life. And, you know, this is a pathway where He says, Happy are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So today I'm asking you, do you want a pure heart do you want to see God at work in your life? Do you want to see God at work in your family? Do you want to see God at work in your whole household? Do you want to see God at work in your business, in your friendships, in your relationships? Do you want to see God there? Do you want freedom If you want freedom you've got to let God the Lord set you free and it begins with being honest with yourself if you think you're okay the way you are you need to have a talk with God and you need to read his word you need to be honest with yourself then you need to be honest with God And then you need to find some people that's in your life that you can look at and say, can you help me? There are things in my life that shouldn't be here. and I'm so used to them. I'm so blinded. I need help with things in my life. Honest with yourself. Honest to God. Honest to others. Now, as we do this, you need to remember God's kindness. God's kind. He's not unkind. God's faithful. He doesn't give up. He doesn't quit. He doesn't stop on us. And the promises of God are forever intact. The key to today for me is the pure in heart see God. I want to see Him. I want to see God. So my prayer is, change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. May I be like you. You are the potter. I'm the clay. Mold me and make me in your own special way. Here I am, Lord. Take me. Would you stand with me, please?